The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Today we're chatting to Jenny Reid about the all-important aspect of integrity and ethics in the workplace and how this should be something that is looked at from the outset of a person's employment within an organization. Something that Jenny and I share in common is that we both started our careers in the security industries in 1995. That means we've both shared a quarter of a century within this industry, which means combined, Jenny, we've got 50 years in the security industry. But one thing that... uh, that you stand out is that you became the very first woman president of the Security Association of South Africa in 40 years. We had Tony Buertis on the show recently, so it's great to have you on the show. Jenny, welcome to Confidential Brief. Thank you, Chad. Great to chat to you. So, Jenny, a, a lady in the security industry in 1995 must have been quite novel because it's always been a predominantly male in environment, and it's something where women have been encouraged to join, but the women themselves have found it difficult to break the glass ceiling. You did more than break just the glass ceiling. You became the president of SASA. Tell us about your journey in the security industry. Yeah, Chad, interesting. I started off in the investigations environment, dealing pretty much with sort of corporate fraud, that type of thing. And I, the big difference with me and a lot of the people in the security industry was I didn't come out of the military. So that made it not only a little bit more difficult, but I was very different because people sort of thought I was ex-police forces, prison warders, something like that when they heard I was in the security industry. But working in the corporate world, um, I think that was what made the difference because I understood the need for the customer service. I understood what the customer needed. And I think that was what was useful for me. Um, coming out of the corporate environment. That's fascinating. Obviously, I came out of the military at the end of 1994. I joined the industry. Like you said, it's an industry that's, that's dominated primarily by people with an ex-military or police background. My business partner, um, Glenda, was a policewoman until 1999. She then joined corporate and came across to the, to the private industry in 2009. Was it difficult for you to, to adapt to, to the thinking within the industry? Because it could be, especially in those days, it could come across as a very close, close-minded and a very set industry in terms of the ways in which it operated. Absolutely. I think what really, for me, was the, the big challenge was the bureaucracy that everybody was used to. Nothing could just happen. There had to be a long, tedious process before you could actually do something. And I think that is what comes out of any uh, government environment globally is that sort of bureaucracy and often very tunnel vision. So when you brought something to the table that was slightly out of the box or you didn't know what you were talking about because you didn't come from within the forces. Um, so those were the challenges. But once we were able to deliver and once people could see what we were doing, then we were, you know, then it worked quite well. And I think people always say the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Well, that's very true. And I think bringing that different outlook into the industry is what has made IFAX what it is. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about 
IFACs, and we're going to talk more about the need for background vetting, thorough screening and vetting, and why it's so important, especially in this day and age. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We're chatting today to Jenny Reed from IFAX. And um, Jenny, thank you so much for that intro. It was it was quite enjoyable Thanks. learning about your background, joining the industry first in a private investigation capacity, working in the corporate environment, and now taking that knowledge and creating IFAX. Tell our listeners a little bit more about IFAX and the importance of background vetting. So coming, as I say, coming from the investigations environment, more on the fraud side, um, I realized that people were generally unwell in terms of their lifestyle and realized that people used to employ anybody they knew, they liked, they had a relationship with, without ever engaging with with the individual and understanding their background. I mean, in the beginning, Chad, you'll remember, it was just a call to the local police station. Do you know this name and ID number? If they're not in the system, they're good to go. And it's grown into quite an industry. In in the USA, it's an enormous industry. Um, and fortunately, here in South Africa, people are understanding the need to look into people a bit more deeply because what's presented you should never accept at face value. So we started IFACT in 2001 and the aim has been very much to bring the services online so that people can do as much background screening, obviously legally and with the individual's permission as is possible. And a lot of it is merely verification of information that's provided because it's horrific to see what people actually try and present. It's true that. So when people hear about background vetting, they think that let me get the consent, let me get somebody to do a, a credit check. And if it's really a sensitive type position, let's go the full Hilton and do a criminal background check. But that's not sufficient, is it? No. You know, the thing is, because somebody doesn't have a criminal record, does it mean they have no intention of committing a crime or have they just or have they committed something and not just been caught? So you've got to look into and as you were saying, integrity and ethics of an individual are absolutely essential to look at that. Um, yes, we can verify qualifications, we can verify driver's licenses, etc. But we need to look at what that individual's intentions are and very often why they're joining your organization. So this, this takes it to a whole new level. This now becomes almost predictive because you can look at a person's background, look at their lifestyle, look at what they may have been charged with and not necessarily been found guilty of, but seeing that this happened a number of times, you can start analyzing predictive behavior. You can. But we also have assessments, psychometric assessments, that are able to measure the integrity of a person, which for me is important because Again, because somebody hasn't been caught or convicted doesn't mean they don't have criminal intention. And very often people may not know they have criminal intention until they're faced with a situation where it is, do I do this or don't I do that? So we need to understand when we're putting people into positions, are they going to be tempted? Could things go wrong? And are they easily influenced? 
the syndicates in our country are massive. You know that better than probably most people. And, I mean, we just have to read our daily newspapers, listen to the news on the radio, and we understand what people are dealing with. And then you add into it the unemployment, etc. The desperation factor is also there. So do we want to bring those people into our organization who could be tempted? So what I find fascinating is you spoke about psychometry, and it's not something that I, I understood to be a tool that could be used as an analysis or predictive tool to see what a person's tendencies could be. Normally, and I've always found this quite strange, some organizations would go the route of having some form of truth verification where they look to an individual through a voice stress analysis or a polygraph. But the psychometry side fascinates me. Tell us a little bit more about that. There's a gentleman that you'd actually find very interesting, Chad, Dr. Louis Fick. He started this about 20 years ago. He's a, a psychologist and he took his focus on psychology purely into the field of integrity. And so he works with specifically integrity. And then he looks at different profiles. What psychometric profile should a security officer have? What psychometric profile should a driver have? And then he ties in the integrity into that so that you are able to understand the the drivers of that individual and to understand what could tempt them to go wrong and are they worth putting into a call center position management position, etc., and purely and purely from an integrity point of view. I, I find that incredibly fascinating because every single tool that, sh- that is available should be utilized at this point in time in respect of background vetting because we've seen a virtual free-for-all in respect of the way crime is being perpetrated in South Africa. Do you think this is because people think that it's now easier to get away with a financial related crimes or a crime rather due to either the complexities of it or perhaps due to the fact that the state is inundated with so many cases. I think a lot of it's example, Chad. You know, I mean, I do firmly believe we lead by example. And sadly, our country's been through quite a tough time and people have got away with it. And, I mean, you can see how difficult it is now where they're trying to to deal with these cases and everything like that. But the whole image is that, well, if the, if you can do it, I can do it. And what are the chances of being caught? Um, so it just becomes easier and easier. And the syndicates know that. And they recruit the, the sort of innocent, in inverted commas, people and slowly, slowly reel them in. Um, and so, and people don't see anything wrong with doing a small thing here. And yeah, I'll just share this information with you. I'll bring that document home for you. And thanks, you know, for a Coke or for something small. And slowly, slowly, it just gets easier and easier. And before they know it, they, they hooked into this whole thing and don't know where to go. So very important points there. We're going to take a break. We're halfway through the show. When we come back, I want to chat to Jenny more about how the syndicates are operating, how gratification comes about, and then more importantly, how it can be prevented. We'll be back after this break. 
You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. I'm in conversation with Jenny Reed, and the conversation took a very interesting turn while we we're discussing integrity and ethics. The 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 issue of criminality arose, and specifically that of crime syndicates. And something that a lot of us have come into contact with of late is these frauds that involve people with information about how your company operates. They either have access to somebody, your debtors or creditors department, and they fabricate invoices and change in banking details that they send out to client bases. And people incorrectly, because they've received this email and it looks legitimate, have paid across monies owed to you or your company to a third party, which is a bank account set up specifically for that crime. Is there a significant rise in this, Jenny? Chad, you know, I don't know if it's a rise, but it has never gone away. And as much as we try and educate people not to follow links, unknown links, you know, to verify bank account details, all of that information – Sadly, it still leaks through. And, you know, unfortunately, with the amount of unemployment, we have a huge, a huge number of highly educated people working in the syndicates because that's a form of employment for them. So a lot of them are one step ahead of the average person in the public and where we educating people don't follow this link don't do this don't do that they've come up with a new idea and a new plan um and they're constantly looking for different ways to do it and different ways to infiltrate organizations for information it would seem that when one looks at this this latest scheme that has taken root where lawyers have been compromised and their invoicing in respect of the transfer of properties, as well as big companies uh, where, where their information has been compromised and these syndicates have sent out these very professional-looking letters stating that banking details have changed and then sending through the invoice. It, to me, it, it suggests that there has to be a high degree of complicity in respect of that information being shared. Is it your system that tries to prevent this from happening? Chad, our system doesn't um, work with that kind of uh, tool because that's more of an investigation tool. So ours would deal more with the people that are involved with that. So somehow that information has got out into into the wrong hands. And there's definitely got to be some kind of involvement from within your organization. So our role in the, the prevention of fraud and things like that is really to work with the people and try and help you to keep the wrong people from being involved. And it doesn't stop at prior to employment. You know, people's circumstances change. Look at what COVID's done to a lot of people. And now are your employees going to be tempted to cross the line out of pure desperation? And that's why we strongly recommend that companies constantly monitor their staff and put things in place. And it's I'm not saying do it clandestinely or anything like that. Do it with the people's permission. Because if you've got honest employees, they want to be known as 
as being honest and they don't want to work with people who are dishonest. So that would be where we come in is helping you put measures in place to deal with the people leaking that information. And that's what's so critical. It's the proactive approach doing the initial background vetting and then having a system in place to continue checking. I've seen instances where security officers have been in, in the employ of an organization for many years in a position of trust. And while in that organization, they've committed a crime, not necessarily involving that particular organization that they work for. Could be a contact crime, could be an assault, could be a, 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 another crime that happened outside where they now have taken time off, gone to court, most probably got a fine or a suspended sentence and carried on working and nobody even knows about this. And that's why continual background vetting, either on a lottery basis or on a fixed basis, is so important. I'm being told that it's time for another ad break. When we come back, we're going to chat more about that and a little bit more about Jenny herself and her charitable and philanthropic um, escapades because we, we chatted to another guest recently who was very excited to hear that we we're going to be chatting to Jenny. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We're chatting to Jenny Reed today about the importance of background vetting and ensuring that you have the right people in your organization, both from a proactive perspective as well as an ongoing perspective. But before we get to the crux of what Jenny's organization can do for you, when I uploaded our October lineup, um, one of my guests was very excited to see that Jenny was included in the lineup. That was Johan von Lochtenberg, um, the ex-SARS um, executive who has now written multiple books. He says that he and you were involved in some charities together, Jenny. Yes, uh, 2013, we did the Put Foot Rally together, which is a rally through Southern Africa where we give school shoes to children. And we, yeah, Johan uh-huh. and I were, comp- were participants in the rally. For me, it's always important to hear about giving back. And I believe that, that you, that's not the only um, charity or philanthropic uh, issue that you have. You also involve yourself wherever you can to assist those. That's very important for us because to, to, to those, I, I think the expression too much is given, much is expected. And I think it's very important, especially in today's day and age, that we also try to give back. Oh, absolutely, Johan. We've got a group of ladies, um, and we, we have loads of fun while we do it. That's a huge criteria. We probably drink a bit too much wine as well. Um, but it's called Adventures for Love, and we do different adventures from climbing Killy to a whale walk down in the Cape, all things like that. And while we're there in the area, we we um, pick up needy projects and work with them. Well, that's good to hear. Let's talk about the product again, IFAX. Let's talk about how this product can help um, our listeners, companies, how, how it can help our country in respect of preventing fraud from taking place or preventing crime from taking place in corporate and aiding in the reduction of these crimes, which have created such an inundated court system, which has become so fragile. Absolutely. Chad, what I think the first thing companies need to do is address their actual risk. Employee screening background checks should never be a tick box process. And sadly, the number one check globally is still a criminal record check. And it it horrifies me, but it's reality. And different countries, that serves a different purpose. 
But I, I don't believe that doing a criminal record check on an individual necessarily um, helps you deal with the risk in your organization. And every organization's risk is different, and departments within companies' uh, risk is different. So you need to put a, a policy in place that is regularly updated, because let's be honest, in today's world, the risk is changing on a regular basis. And then you need to have a policy in place that is bought in by everyone in the organization from the top down. It's not having, because I'm an executive, I'll make sure you can get employed. Or because you're in my family, you will be employed. Every single person that comes into an organization must go through the policy. And we're not saying that because somebody has a criminal record, they are unemployable. But there are certain positions in a company where they will not be able to work or should not be able to work. But there are areas within a company where they can work. And that would be a way of looking at your your risk and addressing the risk. It's also understanding the legal requirements. The whole Credit Act has changed things considerably. And you've got to be incredibly careful where you do a credit check today. And you have to have the person's permission. And there's a limited number of positions where you can do a credit check. So there's a difference between straightforward verification. Somebody presents a qualification. Yes, it's valid. No, it's not valid. Um, to having the permission to do certain checks and then to expanding into integrity, personality tests. And another whole subject there is social media risk assessments, is what can somebody's social media um, profile do to the reputation of your business? So it's looking at the, the person or the employees holistically in terms of your risk. Well, that at least sums it up now in respect of what people should be doing. Why is it so important that this be outsourced? Um, is it because of the fact that nepotism does exist or somebody within an organization could be compromised and employing people they know? Or is it just better to have it at arm's length? Um, Chad, no. I think, look, if you've got good systems internally and you've got the manpower, because you must remember every single check has to be done by a different um, organization or body or whatever it may be. So it's trying, what we've done is to try to bring it all together in a one-stop shop and you, you can just make use of it because otherwise you'd have to have somebody within your organization dealing with any number of uh, places to get the information. So outsourcing that allows us to do the chasing, us to make sure, and there's the benefit of pricing because of the, the volumes that we put through and we're able to pass that on to the clients as well. Well, that makes a lot of sense. We're going to be uploading um, the, 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 the contact particulars for IFAX, and I think it's very important that people understand the complexities involved these days with background betting. It's not like the old days where you're only doing certain positions within an organization. People forget that right from the bottom, people may have access to documentation systems that you may not realize they've had access to. And one always looks at the spy movies where the guy pushing the trolley with the mail or the guy pushing the bucket as the janitor, those are the two guys that are actually the invisible people within an organization, yet they have access to every single office. 
and therefore every single bit of information. In closing, Jenny, what would you like to say to our listeners regarding the importance of background vetting going forward and ongoing background vetting and perhaps initiating projects where their staff haven't had that background vetting before because historically they've been in the business for so long and there hasn't been a very big staff turnover. What I would just encourage companies to do is to take responsibility because there's such a huge thing that it's the HR department's fault or it's this one's fault. And we find with screening that we have a huge battle between risk and HR because they have different um different visions for the company. So aligning those two, and at the end of the day, it's the company's vision. And what are we doing? We have to protect the company's assets. And we'd love to have um, organizations where we had completely 100% honest staff. The world does not exist like that. It's not going to happen. So stop pretending that you, all your staff are honest, understand you've got risks, and know how to deal with them. Well, that sums it up perfectly. Jenny Reed from IFAX, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chad. For those that enjoyed the show or think it's important for somebody else to listen or perhaps, you know, a decision maker, the podcast will be uploaded within the next 24 hours and available on the Chaifei website as well as on our Facebook page, Confidential Brief Radio Show. Confidential Brief will be taking a break next week. We'll be back in the second week of November. So just remember, we won't be on air next week. There'll be a docu play because we like to keep our shows live and fresh. And I'll be back same time, same place in the second week of November. Thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, a huge thank you to our studio engineer, Craig Guthrie, to Tabor, to Vusi, to Flo, and the whole team that still go into studio and make it possible for us to be live on the airwaves. A huge thank you. And to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Thank you, as always.